Hey there, welcome to the M. Kane Coaching Podcast. My name is Marcus Kane, and I help people transform their relationship with food and achieve everything that they ever hope to achieve in terms of their health and fitness by helping them eliminate binge eating, overcome overeating, and establish a great dynamic with movement, training, and exercise. So most of us don't really run into trouble with food until we've tried to achieve a particular goal by changing our relationship with food somehow by using diet or nutrition. And there's a lot of noise out there about being goal oriented, you know, focusing on your goals, achieving your goals, writing your goals down. And in some ways, that can be one of the most damaging things that we can possibly do in the name of you actually achieving what you set out to achieve. Because if we're too goal oriented, we end up creating a really toxic mentality with the journey. And I've got a really simple story here that's going to talk about where we maybe should place our focus in order to be most effective and most successful and why being goal oriented is actually a bit of a trap. So imagine you're in Scotland and your goal is to drive to Brighton and your friend Alex hears that you're making the trip and in a rush of excitement and enthusiasm, he decides to join you. He says, oh, you know, I've always wanted to visit Brighton, but you know, the last time I tried to schedule a trip, it didn't really work out. So this definitely sounds like the right time to do it. So I'm in. And Alex doesn't drive, so you very kindly say that he can ride shotgun while you take care of driving. And the journey begins, everything's fine for the first few hours, but sooner rather than later, your journey and Alex's journey starts to look very different. You start to each have a very, very different experience of this journey from Scotland to Brighton, this drive from Scotland to Brighton. This is because your attention as the driver is on doing all the things required to get to Brighton safely. You're checking the map, you're watching the road, you're shifting gears, you're changing lanes, you're keeping an eye out for rest stops and taking care of the myriad of small tasks that good drivers have mastered, right? In order to get from one place to another safely. Your attention is on the road. Your focus is on the driving itself and not the little number on the sat-nav telling you how many miles are left before you arrive. Alex, however, isn't concerned with any of that. He's not tuned in to, you know, each gear shift and each lane change. He's not congratulating you for avoiding the truck that flew down the on-ramp and merged without indicating a few miles back. Alex is stuck in the are we there yet mentality. So the fact that you're safely moving forward is less important to Alex than the fact that, you know, he saw a white Bentley overtake you 10 minutes ago. You know, he's sitting there saying stuff like, you know, they're going faster than us. Like, why aren't we going as fast as them? You're driving too slow. We've got so much longer to go. This is taking too long. And you get it, you know, like it's taking longer than you thought it would too. Like traffic on the M25 turned out to be terrible. On several occasions, you know, you actually stopped moving. And anyone who's ever driven the M25 will completely understand this and knows how frustrating it is. Sometimes I like to think that the M25 is just a way for the people of Britain to experience LA traffic without having to leave the country. But despite that, you know, like... You know, as the driver, if you focus on mastery of the small tasks, like shifting gears, changing lanes, navigating, you know that you'll get there. But then, about 90 minutes from Brighton, 
the unthinkable happens. As you use the bathroom at the final rest stop before turning off the M25 onto the M23, heading south to the A23 that'll take you right to the heart of Brighton, Alex tells you he's had enough. Alex has met a couple of people in the car park who've convinced him that they can get him to Brighton faster than you can, so he's gonna go ride with them. And of course, you try to reason with Alex. You're like, dude, we're literally almost there. You know, you don't know these people, and that van that they're driving looks really fucking sketchy. But, of course, it's no good. Off Alex goes, in a sketchy looking van, under the impression he's going to have a faster and easier journey. And you watch as this van, now with Alex riding shotgun, picks up speed, spewing black smoke as it roars back off onto the motorway. And you know, despite the fact that you're slightly disheartened, you're determined to get to where you want to go. So you fuel the car and set off again, shifting without grinding gears, merging onto the motorway safely and settling into a comfortable speed in the middle lane. After a time, it's about 30 minutes later, you're on the home stretch to Brighton, you pass what can only be described as a scene. The sketchy looking van that Alex had hitched a ride in, broken down on the side of the road with steam just pelting out of the front grille. And of course, as you make your way past, shifting gears without grinding, staying mindful of the traffic as you change lanes, Alex doesn't see you. You know, he's too busy kicking the side of the van and cursing his new friends who were so keen to offer a faster lift. And while you arrive safely in Brighton and enjoy fish and chips on the beach, where the fuck is Alex, right? Alex is treading the path that we all have at one time or another, like myself included. The path of jumping from thing to thing, looking for the best way to achieve optimal health or weight, and focusing on the goal itself, rather than the mastery of the hundred small tasks necessary to actually get there. And the moral of the story, if you focus on mastery of the skills involved in getting there, you will fucking arrive. The destination goal-orientated approach that fixates on the goal rather than the skill set necessary in getting there creates an are we there yet kind of mentality that breeds nothing but frustration and anxiety. The one place where the goal-focused mindset is useful is in providing a bit of inspiration. So we want to lean on that goal to provide a bit of inspiration. But aside from that, we want to put the goal aside and focus on mastering the skills necessary to actually get where we're going. In light of this, I'm going to share with you 12 points, like 12 skill sets that if we focus on mastering these skill sets and putting our energy in really nailing these things, we won't have to worry about the goal. We won't have to worry about tracking calories and and looking at scales and crossing our fingers and hoping that we're on track. These 12 skills are more important than any kind of daily weigh-ins or calorie tracking or anything like that, because unless these things are mastered, there's no point in calorie tracking or weighing ourselves, because without mastery of these areas, we're just kind of crossing our fingers and hoping the numbers change. And this doesn't necessarily mean just weight loss. This isn't a episode that I'm, you know, trying to promote weight loss with or any of that, because I know a lot of the people listening to this You know, I know a lot of you aren't interested in weight loss, though a lot of the time I do get a lot of questions about weight loss. So 
what we're talking about here is just things to master in terms of our health with nutrition that are just so much more important than looking at the scales and um, and your calorie tracking apps. And as with any of these lists that I put together, you know, they're in no particular order. These come out of my mind onto the paper and I don't waste extra time kind of putting them in order of importance because, you know, they're all pretty important. So number one, we've got things like our fundamental sleep, hydration and stress management practices. Unless these are taken care of, our relationship with food or making great food choices will always feel like we're pushing shit uphill with a pointed stick. This does not mean that you have to wrap yourself in cotton wool and shelter yourself and have this perfect self-care routine all the time. But if we're not doing the best we possibly can, really honestly the best we can, in terms of sleep, hydration and stress management, it's going to be way harder than it needs to be. So that's number one. Number two, how often are you eating your feelings? So with emotional eating, like it's really important to enjoy our food and choose foods that satisfy us, but we can't lean on food all the time as our primary emotional outlet. We need to be looking to other ways to regulate our emotions and deal with emotions before looking to food. This doesn't mean that we won't make the occasional emotional food choice. That's fine. We're human. That's going to happen. But we need other things to lean on in terms of emotional outlets, not just food. Three, when it comes to your feelings, are you actually feeling your feelings or are you thinking about your feelings? So feelings are feedback. Ignoring them is like ignoring signs on the highway. But at the same time, we don't want to descend into the intellectualization or the over intellectualization of feelings. Sometimes if we think about and ponder our feelings too much, we go into these thought spirals and and one thought kind of speculates about another. And before we know it, we're just stuck in this really negative thought spiral. So when I say feel your feelings, don't think about your feelings. What I'm saying is make space for the sensory experience of whatever feeling you're experiencing. This does not mean overanalyze your feelings. This means just acknowledge that you're feeling something. Number four, think about the idea of state before story. This is to do with the fact that how we feel will influence the story that we tell ourselves. So experiencing shitty negative thoughts often comes from you know, low energy, high stress, and being in a a really rough kind of state. It's easy to buy into our thought processes and our thoughts just as fact, but it's really helpful to ask, how am I feeling when these familiar negative thoughts come up? Because often it's the feeling itself, or it's a feeling that opens a door for particular negative thoughts. I've worked with a lot of people who have been mindful enough and self-aware enough to notice, for example, that they experience negative thoughts surrounding body image when they are physically tired, physically stressed. So when they're not actually feeling tired or feeling stressed, when their physical energy levels are good, when their state is in a good place when they're feeling better, they're not really bothered by thoughts 
and insecurities and worries surrounding body image quite as much. So it's helpful to ask what feeling or what state opened the door for whatever thought that I'm feeling. Don't just buy into the thought straight away. Five, prioritize whole foods and protein. So processed foods aren't toxic. Processed foods are not addictive and they won't kill you. But they just make us eat more than we would if we were having a meal full of mostly whole foods. And they don't help us to establish really great hunger cues. So processed foods aren't going to kill you. They're not a sin. They're not toxic. But when we look at establishing really great relationships with things like our hunger cues, the path to doing that is paved with mostly whole foods. Six, include your favorite foods regularly in your diet as a part of balanced meals. So we're going to crave whatever we ban ourselves from having. In establishing a really healthy, easy relationship with food, a period of food habituation is often necessary. This helps us to remove the forbidden fruit factor. And this stage might last longer for some people than others. Some people it comes on quite strong and they end up eating quite a lot of certain foods for a while. Others not so much. This part of the journey is particularly personal and very individual, though in going from a place of you know heavy dieting and craving certain foods all the time, a period of food habituation relative to your experiences is going to be necessary. Seven, information about calories can be useful if we have an awareness of calories without falling into the trap of calorie counting. This means that if we fixate on calorie counting and just like in this story I just mentioned, start staring at the sat-nav, that's not going to help us. Though in terms of hitting targets for the amount of food that we actually need on any given day, an awareness of calories sometimes can help. So we want to be able to cultivate the kind of relationship with information surrounding food where at times we can factor in calories and maybe aware be maybe be aware of calories, but without letting that information completely dictate our decisions. So sometimes for some people, calorie awareness can help. But that doesn't mean that we're going to fall into like hardcore calorie counting and calorie tracking. Number eight, eat regularly and don't try to save calories. So avoid putting yourself in a position where you're making decisions hungry. Front load your calories at the start of the day. Eat lunch, eat breakfast, you know, backloading calories and pushing all your calories to as late in the day as possible. Almost guaranteed to lead to overeating. Not only that, but it screws up our relationship with our hunger cues. So remember, front load calories, get ahead of your hunger and do your best not to put yourself in a position where you're just making decisions when you're really hungry. Number nine, eat slowly and mindfully always. So we all know this. It's just not a great idea to be grabbing food and eating on the go. Sometimes it's going to happen and, you know, we get busy and life happens and all that kind of stuff and we have deadlines and whatever. But at every single opportunity, eat slowly and mindfully. Also, when I say mindfully, factor in things like 
how do you feel before, during, and after certain food choices. So it's important to check in with your hunger levels before you make certain food choices, tune in with how you're feeling physically while eating a particular food, and then check in with how you feel physically 30 to 60 minutes after choosing particular foods. Because often when we do this, the sensory feedback that we get, how we actually feel after eating certain foods can help to inform us the next time we go to make a choice about that particular food. 10. Fuck perfection. Remember, good is better than perfect because good is sustainable. Number 11. Whenever you eat, make the choice on purpose. So, even if you're feeling like a really strong urge to binge eat or overeat and you decide, you know what, fuck it, I'm going to go for it, own that decision and actually eat on purpose. Eat those foods that you feel really driven to. Eat slowly and intentionally and enjoy the food. Actually take in that experience. Own the choice to eat something what we want to avoid most is that experience of feeling really zoned out and disconnected while eating. Really be present with the intentional decisions to eat a particular food or particular foods and be present with the experience of that particular food choice. Number 12, remember you're human. Things aren't going to be perfect all the time and This doesn't mean you need to schedule time to cry in the shower, but are you acknowledging the fact that you're human and that you need to feel seen, heard, supported, and understood? Because if we repress emotion, if we try and push everything aside and try to just get through life pretending to be a robot, suppressing our feelings, never acknowledging what's really going on for us, that is going to come out in other ways often with food. And let me tell you, this one was huge for me. I struggled with it for many years because I thought the idea of just letting myself be human and acknowledging emotion meant that I had to go sit in some kind of like sharing circle or something like that. And if that's your jam, 100% go and do that. That's totally fine. But I wouldn't want anyone who would feel uncomfortable in that situation to think that that is the only way to feel seen, heard, and acknowledge what your experience of the world is. So remember you're human and that trying to push that aside is just going to mean that those feelings and those kind of quirks and habits and experiences are going to come out in other ways. So thank you for joining me for this episode today. I hope this was a helpful one for you. Remember this coming Thursday, November 30th, doors for the Take Back December project, where we're going to focus on getting a handle on nighttime overeating and binge eating, as well as removing some stress from food surrounding the holidays. Those doors for registration for that close. So this Thursday at 7 p.m. GMT, doors for the Take Back December project close. There's going to be two workshops, two live workshops. If you can't make the live time, I'll make sure that you get recordings sent out to you. And also there's going to be a week of content 
emailed to you if you join the Take Back December project and it's going to be super, super helpful. I absolutely promise you. So if you've already signed up for that, I can't wait to see you. If you haven't signed up yet, I would love for you to join us. And as always, you'll find links to my website, Instagram and the Take Back December project in the episode description. So my name's Marcus Kane. Thank you so much for joining us today and we'll chat again soon.